Welcome to the Pacific Point Church Podcast, where we're learning to love and live like Jesus. During this half hour, we're praying that God will direct, encourage, and speak to you. If you would like to partner with Pacific Point Church and our church plants, visit us at pacificpointchurch.com slash give. At that same site, you can also watch and listen to previous sermons, read follow-up blog posts and extended notes, and even connect with Pacific Point Church on social media. We hope you're encouraged by today's message. All right. Okay, so we, we are in, we are shifting from Ephesians, and we are moving into this uh, a cultural, contextual, and what I said at the beginning of Ephesians, if something comes up in life, if something comes up in culture that we need to stop and pause and talk and address, then we will do that. And obviously in the last three or four weeks, what we have seen is, is uh, crazy. We, this Palestinian, uh, Israeli uh, settlement, bombing, war, terrorism, all of the above has taken place. And, and in this, um, it, it has been difficult, the pictures that you see, the conversations. But here's the thing, I, I, it's not in my notes, but I was, as I was worshiping and thinking, I'm like, here's what I, I have to tell us is, guys, we have to walk in grace. Regardless of your, what you're holding on, you got to walk in grace. And what do I mean by that? I went to pick up pizza last night. I've been going to the same pizza place for 14, 15 years. Love it. Great place. And, and the person that works there knows me and my family and talk. And I'm telling you, I walk up to get my pizza, and he, and he starts to go off on, on Jews killing Palestinians. I'm like, whoa, whoa, whoa. I'm like, dude, I just need a pizza. I'm like, you know I'm not a Jew, right? Yeah, I'm, that I'm a, a, a Protestant pastor. And then he just kept going, and, and I may have jumped in on a few points myself, um, but it, I'm like... I, there's people in line. He owns the place, and he's having this conversation. I'm like, why, why are we having this conversation right here? I guess I, I say that to you and to me to say, be wise. Be wise. Know where you're at. Know who you're around. Know when the Holy... Be connected with God through this word so that when the Holy Spirit says speak, you speak. As opposed to being a fool who is not connected to this word and just throws words out without any aim or without any fear of the Lord in it. Use wisdom. It's already intense right now. It's already difficult and uh, we need to love one another. Let me, let me pray as we get, we get going. Father, I thank you for this time this morning for these men and women. God, give me wisdom. Give me words to speak. Uh, Holy Spirit, that you would speak and that, that you'd just push me aside, Father. Lord, I pray that we'd have ears to hear. God, that we would love well, that we would love others well, that we would love you well, Father God, that we might be a hope to the hopeless, that we might bring light in the midst of darkness. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Uh, you'll see a, a number pop up on the screen every once in a while. If you have questions in the midst of the, the message, I will attempt to answer them at the end. I say attempt because if there's something I don't know, uh, I'll, I'll get back to you. But um, it, last week, and we've done it a few times because we're going through this stuff so fast and there's so many things, there's things I don't cover. Feel free to, to take that number and, and text me a question. This isn't stump the pastor. Don't, it's not like make John look like an idiot again day, you know. So just if you have a legitimate question, please, please. What did you say? Yes, it is. 
Oh, I, yeah, Crystal, if anything comes from Crystal's number, I'll give you the number. Do not accept it and do not put it on the screen, please. So we'll be safe that way. All right. Last week we talked about uh, the Israeli-Palestinian conflict in the Middle East. We kind of, I want to give you a quick overview because it helps set up what we're talking about. And one of the things we asked is why did God choose the Jews? Are they more special than anybody else? And no, but it's the vehicle through which is the people through which God chose to show himself and his faithfulness. And ultimately the purpose of the Jews and Israel is the seed, the perfect seed of Jesus would come through them and come to the new covenant and the cross and die for your nice sins. He used the Jews to do this. He has promises for them that we are adopted into when we come into a relationship with Jesus. Here's what I said you absolutely need to know, and it's this. The fight has gone on for thousands of years. The fight will continue until the Lord returns. There is not a solution. You may think there is. There are breaks. There are times of peace, but there is not a solution. And the reason there isn't a solution is because this isn't political. This is spiritual. When we went through the word last week, we showed you that this is a spiritual battle. And we talked about three specific areas that this fight is over. We talked about the fall of man that would allow such atrocities as we're seeing on TV today. We talked about depravity and hatred and how someone could do what is happening in the world today. We talked about what that looks like. We talked about the promise and the covenant that God gave to Abraham that in that lineage. He gave him land, he gave him lineage, and he gave him a Lord, which was Jesus. And we talked about the disobedience of Abraham when he slept with Hagar and everything that came from it. That is an unbelievable recap of a long intense message. If you'd like to hear any of what we just talked about, go back to next, last week's podcast and you'll, you'll be able to hear it. This is a spiritual battle. And, and, and there's a, a, a greater picture here for you and I in our lives. There's a spiritual battle going on and we're trying to fight it in the natural. There's a spiritual battle that we don't recognize, that many times we don't even declare as really going on, and we're trying to fight it in the natural with our emotions, with our money, with our relationships, and all these other things. And God says, hey, 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 hold on a second. This is spiritual. It's not a physical battle, although there is physical battle. I want to talk about Muhammad. Islam and the spiritual battle that is taking place right now and uh, what, what the Bible says. Approximately 570 CE, the prophet of Muhammad comes onto the scene and, and he receives this revelation called the first revelation, this revelation from an angel. And it's in this space near Mecca. And it's this, uh, it's this event that is revered in, in Islam, that's revered in, in the book of, of, of that book. I just went totally blank. The Quran, thank you. It's revered in their writings. The revelation was from an angel, Gabriel. And he delivered specific verses that would eventually come, become the Quran. He spoke to Muhammad and, and laid out what Islam looks like today and what the Quran looks like. And there was this revelation that was taking place. How are we doing back there? Slide, sorry. Just got, there we go. Uh, the, the, the angel Gabriel 
delivered a new revelation. Now, if you were here last week, this will make sense. If you weren't here last week or, you, or you're a little light on your Bible knowledge, you'll have to go back and read or, or listen to the, But But the new revelation was this, that Ishmael, not Isaac, was the seed of the promise. That, that when, when, when Abraham had a relationship with, with uh, Hagar and Ishmael came forth, that was the promise. He was the promise. The new revelation that was given to Muhammad was the land, the land where the Israelis now occupy, uh, the lineage, the lineage through which Jesus came, which they say through which Muhammad came, and the Lord, Allah, came through Ishmael, not Isaac. The new revelation says that Allah is the only God. The new revelation is this. Jesus was a good prophet and a messenger of Allah. So they basically just took every the story and they just flipped it around and said, no, this is the true story. This new revelation delivered from Gabriel to Muhammad said all of these things and it's the start of a new nation or a new uh, religion. The problem with that as a Christian, the problem with that for you and I, if you know your scriptures, Paul said this in Galatians 1.8, but even if we or an angel from heaven should preach to you a gospel contrary to the one preached to you, let him be accursed. Pretty strong words. Paul is, is, is laying it out. And, and what do we see the angel Gabriel deliver to Muhammad? He delivers the Quran. He delivers the Quran. He delivers this new word, this new book, with a new Ishmael and not Isaac, with a different God. But what did Paul say? If an angel from heaven should preach to you a gospel contrary to the one we preach to you, let him be accursed. The Quran is contrary to the gospel. Now, he, here's the thing I keep hearing from people. It's the same God. Have you, has anybody ever heard that? It's the same God. I'm here to tell you that, that any Muslim that, that is, is in his faith will tell you it is not the same God. I'm here to tell you that if you're a Christian, you know Jesus and the Jesus of this Bible, that it is not the same God. It's not the same nature. It's not the same grace. It's not the same God by any stretch of the imagination. And for us to say, oh, it's the same God is the way that we make ourselves feel better. Oh, it's just the same God. Let me show you a few differences. The nature of God and the Quran, it emphasizes the absolute oneness and uniqueness of God is believed as indivisible. The Bible talks about a theological uh, uh, concept of the Holy Trinity, which is central to our doctrine and asserts that God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit are one triune God, completely different. The nature of Jesus, the Quran recognizes him as a good prophet. The Bible says that he is the way, the truth, and the life, that no one comes to the Father except through Jesus. Completely different, two different pictures. Salvation and atonement, completely different from the Quran to this Bible. Salvation and atonement. The Quran speaks of, of believing in Allah, but it gives you these five very distinct pillars that you need to walk in in order to have salvation. And the Bible says, look, look, nobody gets salvation unto themselves. It is a gift from God. It's called grace. Two totally different pictures. These are just three just three of the critical theological issues that we see when we compare the two. 
Remembering what Paul said. If we or an angel from heaven should preach to you a gospel contrary to the one we preach to you. What is the gospel? The gospel of this Bible, the gospel of Jesus, is the good news of Christ's death, burial, and resurrection. In Ephesians 2, which we're coming to, actually, this scripture in a couple of weeks, um, it says, by grace you have been saved through faith. And it is not that of yourselves, it's a gift of God, not by works, so no man can boast. What we see in the Quran, what we see in Muslims is this, you can work your way to heaven. It appeals to your pride. If you're good enough, if you pray five times a day, if you go to Mecca and visit, if you do this, if you do this, if you do this, where in Christianity it says over here, there's nothing you can do. It's not, it, it, there is nothing you can do. It is straight grace. Five pillars of Islam. I, the, the one though got me that, that gosh, uh, their obligation to giving, it's, there's only 2.5%. We're at 10%. What the heck happened there? Let me tell you actually what happened there. The national surveys say that an average of about 2 to 4% of Christians actually really give. So you guys are living as, you know, never mind. Okay. I'll keep going. Islam is a works-based religion based on the five pillars. And if you do these things and believe, then you get to heaven. It's contingent on what you do, or your work, what happens each day. The gospel is grace-based. The gospel says this, you can do nothing to earn your way to heaven. Salvation is a straight gift from God through his son, Jesus Christ. You've been saved by grace through faith that nobody shall boast. It has nothing to do with you and has everything to do with our Savior, Jesus Christ. I can't work my way. I can never be good enough. I can never come to church enough. I can never pray enough. I can never give enough. I can never walk enough old ladies across the street. I can never, I can never, I can never. You can't do it. It's grace. Back to Galatians 1.8. If we are an angel from heaven should preach to you a gospel contrary to the one you preached, let him be accursed. What, what is he saying here? What is Paul saying? It's a declaration, a specific declaration that says, essentially saying, may this person or this being be cut off accursed under divine curse from God. The worst curse that you could give me would to cut me off from Jesus, to cut me off from the Father. This person, it says, to be accursed. What's Paul saying? He's declaring that anyone that distorts this word, anyone who takes this word and adds to it, anyone who takes this word and says, I have a new revelation, anyone who takes this word and changes it, this gospel message should be subject to separation from God. See, this is why we call it the Holy Scriptures. This is why this book, this book, um, has not changed for some 2,000 years since its canonization. This is why this book is consistent. What do you, what's the biggest argument with the Bible? Oh, it's, it's, it's inconsistent and, and it doesn't match up. Anybody ever tells you that, that there's inconsistency in the Bible, here's the first thing you say. Because 99% of the people who say that have no clue what they say. Give me one. They go, oh, there's just, there's a bunch. Just give me one. Give me one. And then what they do is they usually take one scripture they've heard completely out of context and build a case around it. And you go, not so much. What is Paul saying? 
Here's where we're going to get really deep. What is Paul saying? The angel Gabriel, whom Muhammad said delivered specific verses that would become the Quran, was a demon and not an angel. That wasn't an angel. There's a demon. This is where we step on toes. This is where people get real uncomfortable. This is where people don't like to draw lines. They like to say, oh, just one God, one God. What if that's not true? What if it's not true? What if these gods are very different? You better find out who's right and who's wrong. We say things like, that's divisive. You can't say that. You can't say that it's a demon. I'm not. Paul is. And here's where we lose a big chunk of the church. And yet the Bible says your battle is a spiritual battle. We lose a big chunk of the church that, that, that doesn't want to get uncomfortable. But let me tell you what's uncomfortable. What's uncomfortable is, is me standing before God in my sin. Very uncomfortable. See, the Christian faith, in many ways, we want to feel comfortable all the time. We want the warm towel. I've got a buddy, in, and he lives in, in San Clemente, and he's got a towel warmer, and he's got five ki- four, three or four kids, whatever. He's got a towel warmer that he got for his kids. And, and, and he says, it's the worst thing I ever did in my life. Because he says, when, when, every time my kids get out of the shower, they're like, warm towel, daddy, warm towel, daddy. And I'm like, it's the worst thing you ever did because they're going to have to find some spouse that is just will spoil them the way you did. Just, you know, living in this, this, this world that it isn't real. They're, what was my point? Does anybody know? Because I was so caught up in this towel thing. I'm like, man, where's the warm towel? when I need it. I don't have a warm towel. Uh, It's a spiritual battle, but the Christian church is so worried about, give me my warm towel. Give me my warm towel. Let me feel good about myself that we're not willing to sit at the feet of Jesus and go, God, deal with me. And God in his love and his grace says, I will. And it's through my son, Jesus. And you don't have to pay the price because he did. Are you kidding me? And we're uncomfortable. We're uncomfortable because we don't really believe that there's a spiritual battle going on here. Ephesians, let me show you some scriptures that would be contrary to what you and I think too many times. Ephesians 2 or 6, 12 says this, For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against rulers and against authorities, against powers of the dark world, and against the spiritual forces and of evil in heavenly realms. This fight is spiritual. Stop trying to fight it in the natural. Some of you are right in the middle of a fight right now financially. Some of you are right, right now in the middle of a fight uh, uh, relationally. Some of you are right in the middle of a fight uh, uh, in, in whatever area it is. And, I, and the word of God is this. Stop treating it like it's a natural fight because it's a spiritual fight. And if you would just shift your mindset and get on your knees and pray. If you would just humble yourself. And I'm speaking to myself because I'm not good at this. Humble yourselves and cry out to God and ask for his mercy. Watch what he might do in your marriage. Watch what he might do in your relationships. Watch what he might do in your finances. If you'll humble yourselves and look in the mirror and go, God, maybe I didn't do all I should do, but I'm going to trust you. Watch what he might do. It's a spiritual fight. And Look, I I don't always see it. I don't, I just, ah. The good thing is she reminds me. When we were going through things with our children, 
I, I just, the, the natural side of me is this, yelling, hey, what are you doing? And she'd just go, I think it's spiritual. <laughs> Leave me alone. <laughs> I know that. I'm the pastor, not you. <laughs> spiritual battle, First Peter 5, 8. Be alert and sober mind. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a lion looking for someone to devour. This verse underscores the, the village. I mean, needed. You, you've got to stand and you've got to fight. 2 Corinthians 10. The weapons we fight are not weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. We demolish arguments of every pretense that sets itself against the knowledge of God. And we take captive every thought to make it obedience to Christ. There's a warfare and your thoughts need to be captured and dealt with. Some of you just allow your thoughts to just go and go. And the reality is this. You need to take this word and your thoughts need to go through the truth of this word. And not into Fox News or CNN. James 4 says this, submit yourselves then to God. Resist the devil and he will flee. He gives you a playbook. You've got to submit to God. You've got to run from that. You've got to put yourself in a position to succeed, Mark 16. And these signs will accompany those who believe in my name. They will drive out demons and they will speak in new tongues. This verse emphasizes the authority that you and I walk in when we walk in that authority, when we believe that God has given us power, when we take a stand for what is right. And not just call everything bad luck. See, the church is asleep in the middle of a war. I'm generalizing. I, and I'm painting with a real broad brush. I know it's not this church. Why'd you laugh? <laughs> the church is asleep in the middle of a war. The most difficult enemy, and, and Melvin gave me this quote when we met this week, the most difficult enemy you will ever fight is the one you don't see or give any credence to. And the enemy's walking around looking to whom he can devour. And we go, what devil? What enemy? What spiritual battle? Huh? And he's just, okay, watch me ravage. What is Paul saying? It's demonic. That the angel Gabriel, whom Muhammad said delivered specific verses that would become the Quran, was a demon. He was not an angel, period. Do with it what you will. That's what this Bible says. Again, that is divisive, and you can't say that. I understand you're not supposed to say that, that you're not allowed to say that. If I had more than four people that have ever watched on YouTube, I'd probably get demonetized. That was funny. That was really funny. Church, it's time, to, it's time to identify and call out the demonic when we see the demonic. Otherwise, it becomes the angelic. Think, think about that. When we don't say, this is demonic and this is righteous, when we don't delineate between the two, what happens is we start to say, oh, this is actually angelic. Because it says here, the angel of light comes down and says, this is how it is. And you start to go, oh, look at this beautiful angel. It can't be wrong. It can't be bad. It comes as an angel of light. Evil is evil and demonic.
demonic is demonic. And this is, it gets a little nuts right here. Let me just show you, because we say it, but there's always a disconnect between what we say and what's in our brain and what we perceive. I'm looking at my crowd to make sure we're all right, and I think we are. Evil is evil, and demonic is demonic. Last week, I heard a tape that, that they had from one of the Hamas terrorists. He's calling his mom and dad, and this is to brag, and this is what he said. And he's desperate, Dad! This is what he sounds like. He's talking in Arabic, but there's a, a translator. And um, he says, Dad, open my WhatsApp app now. Open it up. You can see I've killed the Jews and many with my own hands. He's like, Dad, I'm calling from a Jewish woman's phone right now. I killed her. I killed her husband my own, with my own hands. Mom, your son is a hero. That's demonic. Let's take it another level. In an interview with, with the terrorists, he tells reporters, I won't even read the first one. I won't read the second or the third one. Don't tell me it's not demonic. Don't tell me there isn't evil. It's heartbreaking. And we walk around, oh, life is good. Ah, oh, I got a little tough time. Oh, you know. Church, we have to wake up because it's not going to get better. It's going to get more difficult. And if you and I don't have eyes to see, we'll go, oh, that's angelic. Well, let, let me give you an example of that. Let me show you how we've, we've done that. The Bible gives us a clear definition of evil and the demonic. John 10, 10. It says this, to steal, kill, and destroy. This is demonic. This is evil. This is what it is. John 10, 10. See, see, what the enemy wants to do is this. He wants to steal your hope. If he can just steal a little bit of hope for your marriage, if he can just steal a little bit of hope for your kids, if he can just steal a little hope for your, your well-being, if he can steal a little bit of hope for your job, whatever it is, and then the next thing he steps in, he's just, he kills your spirit. He steals your hope, and he kills the spirit that God has placed in you to be life and to be love and to be kind to shine who Jesus is to others. He steals that spirit. And then you know what happens? He destroys your purpose. When your spirit's gone, when your hope is absolutely gone, when you have no hope for tomorrow, when you have no hope for your relationships, when you have no more hope for your finances, when you have no more hope for where you live, your neighborhood, your country, whatever it is, your spirit is dead and your purpose is over. The enemy's not stupid. He's very methodical. He's been around for a long time. He's seen it all. Why is this so important to define evil and demonic? Because it's all around us. And we're calling it an angel of light. It's all around us. And we're calling it an angel of light. Let me show you. And I'm sure someone will be mad, but I don't care. I'm going to have a, yeah. Evil and demonic in our culture. Let's just call a spade a spade. Personal pronouns. There are X chromosomes and there are Y chromosomes. That's just straight science. Let me give you the gray side of it. The gray side is there are absolutely people who struggle with identity. Dear God, have mercy. Dear God, we need to pray. Dear God, we need to stand next to people. But that's not what I'm talking about. 
I'm talking about the fact that there is no way around the fact that a boy is a boy and a girl is a girl, that a man is a man and a woman is a woman. Demonic. It's a demonic force that is trying to bring confusion to our young kids. And we as adults don't see it and we're embracing it. Angel of light, angel of light, this is great. Mutilating children at the age of 8 and 11, changing their sexes. The suicide, attempted suicide rate for young men who have been castrated or changed at that age is 50%. Tell me that's not demonic. For young girls, 30%. Angel of light, oh, it's so politically good. Oh, we're so cool. Historical and current racism. Imago Dei is, we are image bearers, uh, image bearers of God. The Imago Dei is a picture of God. And throughout history, we see this racism. And racism is an abomination from God Almighty, including what we did as a country some 300, 250, I can't do my math, years ago. And what's happening today, historical and current slavery, $150 billion is spent on sex trafficking a year. Number one country in the world for sex trafficking right here, America. Don't tell me it's not spiritual. Don't tell me it's not demonic. Because anyone who can do that, anyone who could get themselves in that place, is dealing with something. So, uh, drug and alcohol epidemic, it's gone up six times from 1999 to 2021. Suicide rate, every 10 minutes, someone takes their life. Every 10 minutes, someone takes their life. Dear Jesus, this is a spiritual battle. This is a spiritual battle. We need to wake up. John John 10, 10 says this. It says, the thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. There's an enemy, and he wants to destroy you and your family. Let's wake up. And I'm not just talking about your natural family. I'm talking about your spiritual family. I'm talking about aspects of your life, those you influence, those you are around. The enemy wants nothing more than to see you fall, to see it destroyed. But we have hope. We have hope because the second part of that scripture in John 10.10 says this, I've come that you may have life and that you may have it to the full. There's hope. There's hope. Hope. It's, it's, it's in the lineage of Jesus. Our hope, it, it, it starts in this lineage from, from Abraham and Isaac. It's, it's, it's in this word. And then, in, and then it moves on into Genesis 15 where God says to Abraham, he says, look at all the stars in the sky. We talked about it last week. And he said, your descendants will be as numbered as the stars in the sky. Our hope sits in this promise, a covenantial God, a God that keeps his promises to you and I. Not like us, we break our promise. God keeps his covenant and keeps his promise. And he makes his promise to Abraham and his descendants. And for some four or 5,000 years, we've watched God's promise continue and continue and continue and go through the lineage and now we are adopted in as Christians the hope is the promise that God gave us 
The hope is this, was fulfilled in the cross in Matthew 27. The hope that you and I live in was fulfilled when Jesus reached across and gave his life for you and I. When he died on that cross and rose again on the third day, that you and I might have eternal life. That you and I wouldn't pay the price for the demonic, for the evil, for the things that we have done. fulfilled in the cross. Now it's time to fight. Ah. Now, here's the thing. For some of us, we just like to fight. Some of us, it's, it's not so easy. Some of us, it's easier to, to sit in bed and cover your head with sheets, which I've done that too. For some of us, it's, it's easier to just go, ah, it's not there, it's not there, it's not there, put my head in the sand. There's coming a time, and, and, and this fight will, will hit you square in the face, and you don't have a choice. You choose to fight, or you choose not, and the cost is can be extremely costly. I know that. You know our story. I'm not going to repeat it. Just right in our face, and we had a choice to fight or not fight, and there's times that I didn't fight. I'm not proud of. But there's times that we just said, we're going we're gonna to fight. It's time to fight. Uh, gosh, real quickly, what's the fruit of not fighting? Look, let me, if, if this fruit is the fruit that you feel in your life, it's, it's more than likely in generalizing that it, it, you're not fighting the fight God has called you. If there's spiritual vulnerability in your life that you're just like, ah, no. if there's spiritual stagnation, you just feel like you're caught in the same place spiritually, you can't get out of this rut. If, if, if you have a bondage to a sin that you just can't get out of, if you have strained relationships around you, if you, if you lack any impact in others' lives, if, if you have a loss of spiritual joy and you have this spiritual blindness, you just can't see. Those are a few of the of the of the things, the fruit that comes forth when when you've 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 buried your head in the sand and you say, I'm not willing to fight. If, if you can go check, 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 I, I would go, okay, God, I think you're calling me to stand up and fight now. It's time to fight. John 1, or 1 John 4 4 says this: You dear children, you are you are from God and have overcome them because the one who is in you is greater than the one who is in the world. The Jesus that lives in me, the same Jesus that raised Christ, or the Spirit that lives in me, the same Holy Spirit that raised Christ from the dead, has the power to deliver me, to deliver you. Uh, real quick, I'm just going to go. I've got 97 points on how to fight, but I'm only going to go through eight of them because I love you guys. Uh, and I'm not going to linger on them. Put on the armor of God. We know the scriptures. If you want the notes later, I'll give them to you. Put on the armor of God and fight. Number two, prayer. You've got to pray. You've got to be on your face praying. You've got to pray when you're driving. You've got to pray over your children. You've got to pray over your relationships, over your marriage. If you want things changed, you've got to pray. You've got to encounter Jesus through his word and prayer. Resist temptation and fight. James 4, submit yourselves then to God. Resist the devil. There's a submission. There's a process of going, God, I see that. I see that enemy. I see where you're coming here. I'm going to submit to what God says, and I'm going to fight the fight in this word and who he is, not on my own. 
Renew your mind. This one is so important. It's so important. It's this. Renew your mind. You don't just renew your mind when you're in battle. You renew your mind before you ever go to battle. You renew your mind each and every day when you take this word, the word of God, and you wash it over your mind. And you take a scripture, and maybe it's just one scripture. Maybe it's just one verse. And you chew on it, and you wrestle with it, and you let it wash you and wash you and wash you. Look, you do the same thing in the world. The natural what we do is this. We let TV wash us and wash us and Fox News and CNN and ABC and NBC and it's washing our mind and washing our mind and washing our mind. Then we turn on the radio and it washes our mind. And the Bible says this. Take this word and wash your mind. See what I might say. Fellowship and accountability. Hebrews is don't, don't, don't not come to church. Something happens when you come together and and you listen to Josh lead worship. Something happens when you come together and you hear the word. Something happens when you eat a donut and have a glass of coffee, a cup of coffee. Something happens when you're accountable to others. Something happens when you have people in your life who love you and are willing to tell you the truth. Study and act on God's word. Don't merely listen to this Sunday, but go and find out if what I'm saying is true. Dig in. Get the word and do what it says. And it's walk in love. Walk in love. Gosh, did I want to just cuss out the pizza guy. And, and I, I guess according to the Bible, I did because there's a couple things that went through my head. But we need to walk in love. Not anger. Don't worry about winning the argument. Let God win the argument. See, we have hope. His name is Jesus. His name is Jesus. You have hope. And his name is Jesus. And if you have come into this relationship with Jesus, Romans 10, 9 says, if you have confessed with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, says you will be saved. And you walk in the same hope in the midst of the chaos that's going on in the world. You can walk in that hope. I want to pray. Do we have any questions? We got two questions. I I, I just, I want to make sure this is like ah, kind of heavy. There's a lot of stuff in here. If you're a guest here today, uh, sorry, no, (laughs) I'm not sorry. You picked it. Hey, it's, it's one of these or it's tithing Sunday. That's what usually happens. Whenever you invite guests, it's tithing Sunday. All right, everybody get out their checkbooks. You know, it's like, oh Lord, is that all you guys want? Um, The word of God is, is gracious and truth. And sometimes it smacks us in the face and that's good. And the reason it's good is because we have hope. So I want to make sure when you walk out, you walk out of here with hope, not discouraged, hope. I hope you, you, when you walk out of here, you walk out of here with a couple of tools that you can go, okay, you know, I have hope to work in whatever it is you're working on. If you need more information, contact us. We'll give you, like I said, we'll give you the notes or sit down with you and have a cup of coffee. All right, let's, let's see if we can tackle a couple questions here. Go ahead. Question number one. As a saved Christian, how can you tell the difference between your own voice, conviction, and the Holy Spirit, conviction? How do you know God's talking versus your own voice? Great question. Wonderful question. First and foremost, Romans 12, we talked about renew your mind with the washing of the word. The first thing, you will never hear the voice of God, be able to recognize the voice of God. 
There's a difference. God's always speaking. We just don't always recognize. If your mind is not renewed with this word, if it's not washed clean with this word, that's first and foremost. Just reading your word, washing your mind. Secondly, God speaks in different ways. There's a still quiet voice. It's just that, that little voice. You go, whoa, where'd that come from? And it's the Holy Spirit just dropping something and speaking. Three, God speaks through others. Others are speaking. You go, oh my gosh, he, he, they're talking to me. Um, God speaks primarily through his word. He speaks through beautiful, the beauty of life. He speaks through circumstances. So how do I know if it's mine or his? First of all, know how God speaks. Secondly, keep your mind right. I'll say it again. It, it bears repeating. But if all you're doing is, is, is watching CNN, MSNBC, Fox News, all these shows and just inundated, 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 all, you're going to have a tough time hearing God. So renew your mind, pray, get used to hearing God's voice. You know, when, when you read this word, you start to realize how he speaks. It's 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 same in the natural. Like I can, I can you know, I know how my dad would speak. I know when his, in, his inflections would go up, I'm in trouble or go down. Or when I'm sitting in Jemco. Anybody remember Jemco? There used to be Jemco. When I'm in Jemco with my mom or my dad and, and I'm like this lost boy running around because you could run around and do whatever you want there and there would be a whistle and i go, oh, there it is. I better go. I know his voice. Why? I've, I've spent time with my dad. I've heard him rebuke me and deal with me. I've heard him encourage me and love me. I know what he's saying. And it's the same thing in this word of God. The problem is church is going, I need to hear from God. I don't want to spend time with him, but I need to hear from God. I don't want to give him my, my life, but I want to hear from God. <laughs> Go try that with someone you love. Let me know how it goes. Next word. Is the difference in your standing in heaven based on the works of your life? Is the uh, difference <laughs> in your... <laughs> Is there a difference in your standing in heaven? Ooh, that's a good one. Okay, that, that makes more sense. Is there a difference in your standing? The Bible is, 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 is pretty clear that, look, there's only way, one way to heaven, saved by grace through faith. Now, I think what you're asking is, do you get a bigger house? What the Bible does indicate is it talks about crowns and honor and what God will give you. I don't know what it totally looks like, but I do believe there's honor that is given when honor is due. I do, I do believe that, there, that, that there's recognition that God gives. So um, will you live on the ocean as opposed to downtown? I don't know, but I, I know God is a, is a just God and he gives justly. Therefore, when I look at scriptures, and, and again, I, I, I would dig in a little deeper as I look in there that, that God deals with us accordingly. And gives us good gifts because he is a good God and gives good gifts accordingly. Melvin, would you agree with me? Am I off on that one? Are you good? Okay, that's my resident theologian that keeps me online, so thank you. Perfect. If you didn't hear it, inheritance and rewards. Inheritance is the grace, saved by grace through faith. That's your inheritance. No one can mess with that. The rewards are what God gives you for what you've done, being obedient. We see that in Matthew 25 where he gives, you know, there's an obedience aspect to what you're doing here, and God gives gifts accordingly. So thank you. Is that it? One more. Oh, what do we know about Gabriel and is he the same angel associated with the Mormon church? 
That's a great question. It's, when you look at the Mormon church and you look at Joseph Smith, it's a very similar situation that we see with Islam. Angel comes down, speaks to Joseph Smith, and, and there's a, this new revelation that's not new. Not, not new. And uh, I, I don't know enough about it. I, I'll just be honest. I, I, I can go back, you know. Um, there's only two angels named in Scripture, Gabriel and Michael. Those are the only two you see in Scripture. It is not the Gabriel that we're talking about in Scripture. It is a demonic light that is posing. We see, as we talked about with Paul, was very clear about that. Um, but I, I don't know if it's the same. I, I, I'll go take a, I'll take a look at that. I encourage you to do the same. Here's what I do know, that... Um, that, that Mormonism is contrary to this gospel. It's a works-based. It is, it's demonic. It's demonic. All right, on that note. <laughs> All right, as the musicians come up, and uh, this is the time that we're going we're gonna to continue and worship and the way we do that is through communion. I talk about it each week. Um, it, it is so important because it's the time that we just take our soul, our heart, and we align it with God's. It's a time that we just go, okay, God, here I am. And we, we, we lay it at his feet. It's a family time. We chose to do and we choose to do communion as families. Um, we ask that if, if you're in a family and you see someone that's by themselves, maybe just grab them and have them come over and receive with you. We have communion tables in the front and the back. We have actual uh, bread and then we have those packets for uh, people who do not want Eddie's germs. I get it. I get it. <laughs> Heidi gets it. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. It says this, the Bible, the night that Jesus betrayed, he took the bread and he broke it. He said, this is my body that's been broken for you. He said, eat this in remembrance of me. And then he took the wine that represents the blood and the covenant. And he said, drink this in remembrance of me. Remember the promise that I have given you through my son, Jesus. Take all that you are and bring it to the cross and lay it out at the cross. That I might give you hope. That I may wash away your sins clean. So as you come, before you come and receive this, this morning, just examine your life. Take a look. Take a look see what uh, God might be speaking to you. Father, we thank you for this time this morning, Lord, for your word, for your worship, for fellowship, Lord, as we come and receive the elements, God, it's a holy place. God, do what you do through your Holy Spirit. Speak to us that we might glorify you. In Jesus' precious name, amen.